0: okay here we go we are going into week eight of the one a podcast tonight it's an early edition we're getting out there a little bit early this week as always david schiff is here with my partner the man the myth mr miles v miles how you doing buddy what's going on
1: Hi, I'm Miles. Maybe you've heard of me. David, it's uh, it's good to be back. Good to join you. It is early. I, are we doing this because you've got some travel schedule? Are you going to be like fading into Bolivia or something like that, as Mike Tyson once said? Where do you go from here, Mike? I don't know, man. I might just fade into Bolivian. You know what I mean? Um, I don't have nowhere to go and nothing to do. You know what I mean? I just go find my pigeons on the roof in New York.
0: As Mike Tyson famously said, I am fading into Bolivian. I'm off to Europe tomorrow to see my son. My eldest is studying in Rome, so I'll be gone for about a week, but I will be checking all the scores. I will be involved in all the goings-on with the One to Bed podcast.
1: When so in goes- Rome, huh? When in Rome? are you, You're not even going to be able to watch a game, or, or can you go to, like, some weird bar and watch at some odd time in the, in the middle of the night?
0: Yeah, no, I think uh, late at night, so it's nine hours different. So, yeah, uh, maybe in the evening uh, after some wine we'll uh, hit a bar and try to watch a game.
1: Game. the one week there's no game in europe and you're you're there so go figure
0: i'm even flying through frankfurt which is one of the places where they have a game uh, i think it's coming up and unfortunately the timing did not work out but happy to record on a tuesday get a little bit of a different perspective and miles as you know i love a good pop quiz so put on your pop quiz hat can you tell me the only two teams right now That are six and one.
1: Let's see. I think Philadelphia Eagles is one. And is it the Kansas City Chiefs? It absolutely is
0: indeed. We talk about all of the parody, all of the new teams, all of the excitement of teams finally making a run. And here we are, one third of the way through the 2023 season, and we are looking at the same two participants in last year's Super Bowl.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: As the top two teams. So, kind of interesting that, you know, some teams have come up there and, you know, this year, there's a little bit of a trend of us naming the best team in the NFL. It's a little bit like a Madden curse we're developing. As soon as we name that team, they take a loss. It happened with Buffalo. It's kind of happened with Miami. And certainly the next team on that list is San Francisco. And we're going to talk about them later. But they're, they're definitely hit a little bit of a speed bump in their season.
1: Yeah, week seven was really a shocker. And Joe Q public got most of the games wrong. A lot of people were betting on some of these favorites and they did not come in. we talked about teams showing their true selves. And I think this last week, several teams took a step back like the Buffalo bills did not see that coming. They had some momentum and they take a really huge loss to new England. Now we've got friend of the show, John's Vagdus who not only lives in Boston, he's a season ticket holder. For the Patriots, and he bet against them, so that really was a shocker. I mean, if your hometown people don't think your team's any good, uh, you know they know something. And then I've been fanboy for Detroit the last couple of weeks, and look what happened with them. It was twenty-eight to nothing before I even got settled in my chair.
0: That is another game we're going to talk about as well. But yeah, a couple of really surprising results, and. Maybe it's the beauty of the NFL. I don't know. But, you know, it feels like every couple of weeks, you know, they just sort of throw the cards up in the air and new teams come down as the favorites and we're trying to catch up and get ahead of it all. This is a really interesting week of matchups because as you look through... Uh, I, I guess it's just the timing and some of the matchups that are hitting. There are massive, massive spreads this week. There are, and I'm looking at at least eight games that have six and a half point spreads. Tampa Bay uh, at Buffalo is plus eight and a half. Philadelphia minus six and a half at Washington. Rams plus six and a half at Dallas. New England plus nine and a half at Miami. Kansas City minus seven and a half at Denver. Baltimore minus eight and a half at Arizona. Chicago plus eight and a half at the charge. The Rams plus eight and a half at Detroit. That doesn't even count Cincinnati plus five and a half at San Francisco. Just a really, really strange week. And I'm going to ask you a question, Miles. What is your take in general on these big spread games?
1: Yeah, I I haven't been getting them right is my take. And, you know, I used to be the case where I'd often say, take the points, you know, anything over a touchdown, you know, you want that because, I think, uh, you know, these games don't necessarily get blown out of hand. And lately, though, I've been betting the favorite, saying this team is so much better than the other, they're going to win the game, and hopefully they, you know, win the game by a a large margin. This week, uh, I'm staying away from a lot of those big spread games. I do have one of them, and, and we'll talk about that a little later. But I mean after last week, last week really was kind of a shocker to me. I ended up going with a couple over/unders just because I didn't feel I had a nice sense of what the games were. And in my weekly picks pool, I didn't. I missed just about every game in the morning. And and only, you know, only was correct on about 3 games out of the week last week. So I am kind of just inside my own head, and I don't know what to make of these big spreads.
0: Well, you sort of made my point, because my response is to stay away from them. They're harder to pick. You know, you a touchdown early in the game and suddenly a team that you thought was not going to cover a big spread, you know, get some momentum going. And the point I wanted to make is that not only are you only on one of those games, I'm also only on one of those games. So it feels like naturally we stayed away from them and we gravitated towards other things that were closer that we felt strongly about. Um, You mentioned your over and unders. You've really had a great feeling for them. I have not. Um, so I'm not sure what sort of juju you're reading into things with over and unders, but your radar has been much better on them than mine has.
1: Yeah, well, traditionally, I, I like doing the overs because those ones can come in early and, uh, and you know, sometimes the games just seem like they're set up for, for high scoring. But, you know, lately they haven't been. The unders have been coming in a lot lately. Uh, I think I mentioned that uh, two weeks ago, maybe out of the uh, 14-game spread, I think maybe 12 of them were unders, and, you know, the thing about the unders is uh, you got to wait for the whole game. You never know what's going to happen. If a team gets a big lead, then they kind of just play prevent, or sometimes you take a knee, or you play not to lose, and you know, it really screws with the flows of the game. And and sometimes, you know, picking a number can just be torture. And I'm sure we'll hear a little bit about your experience this week.
0: Yeah, my experience this week undoubtedly would be considered frustrating. And to our loyal listeners, they're probably not surprised that I had a frustrating week of picks, but I went one and two, and both of my losses were on Sunday. So, Two games on Sunday, two very tight games. They both came down to the last minute. On, in one, you know, case the last play. Um, really, really annoying when you think you're right there on bets, and you know, teams, you know, for whatever reason, just fall away at the end.
1: You're right there, though. I mean, it could go either way for you. You know that you you've you've spotted some you know information that was probably it's, it's like getting your. Uh, your money in with the best of it and hold them you know you want to do that and i think you're you're right there i i liked your picks last week but Uh, They just didn't uh, fall your way.
0: Yeah, so let's get into it. If if we don't mind, I am going to recap because I was in a strong second place to you last week. Um, And here's how things went down. My big bet of the week, and we talked about some bet sizing issues as well, um, was uh, a Tampa Bay minus two and a half over Atlanta at home. That was 440 to win 400. Final score, Atlanta 16, Tampa Bay 13. You know, I predicted that a shaky Atlanta offense would come into Tampa Bay and meet kind of a solid Tampa Bay offense and a better-than-solid, uh, better-than-average Tampa Bay defense. Atlanta kind of lived up to the billing. Desmond Ritter lost three fumbles, but Tampa Bay just couldn't capitalize anything. You know, t- uh, Atlanta lost Bijan Robinson; and he wasn't feeling well. He only had three yards rushing. This is a classic game of if the lesser team hangs around long enough, Sometimes, and in this case, that's what happened, they end up with a win at the end. Tampa Bay defense played pretty well all the way through the game, except when they didn't. And they had a chance to win this game at the end. They're down 13-10. They have the ball on the Atlanta eight-yard line. And I'm thinking, great, they score a touchdown, they're going to be up by four. Even if they kick the field goal, we're going to be tied going to overtime. I'll take my chances in overtime. They do kick the field goal. They don't punch it in. They give Atlanta less than a minute to go. And of all times for Desmond Ritter to hit a 40-yard pass to Kyle Pitts, this is the time. Suddenly Atlanta's in field goal range, long field goal range, but Cuckoo Cachoo, or whoever their kicker is.
1: Yeah, Youngway.
0: Hits a game winner. Yeah, Youngway on the final play. I lose 16 to 13. And it's just a game that... I'll tell you what, if Tampa Bay gets to the end of the season and they're a game away from the playoffs or a game away from the division, this is a game that they're going to look back and say, this one got away, we lost to a lesser team at home, and we're going to regret that. And that was not a great way to start my week.
1: Yeah, it was surprising, and there were a lot of people that were picking Tampa Bay, and the the two and a half was a nice number. And, you know, I think that last drive when they did kick the field goal they might have had a drive before where they ended up turning over the ball and so it's just they had every chance to uh, to win the game and you don't really expect atlanta to be a, a two-minute offense they just don't have the the talented quarterback to pull that off but you are like you said they uh they got one lucky play for you know, major yardage. And that was the end of it.
0: But again, shame on Tampa Bay for letting him hang around. And Baker Mayfield was inconsistent in that game. He was sloppy, had an interception. He just wasn't the solid, sharp, effective veteran quarterback that he had been in the past. And unfortunately, I bore the brunt of it. And that does not start my weekend. Well, Uh, my second game is I had the over and Miles, how am I doing in overs this year? I believe
1: you're over. for overs.
0: I'm 0 for 4 now. Yeah, I went in 0 3. I come out 0 4. It was Philadelphia, Miami. Uh, over was 50 and a half. You had two 5 and 1 teams going in. They were the number one and number two offense in yards per game. Final score was 31 17. And that's kind of important uh, when it got down to the end of the game. This was the Alabama Bowl, Jalen Hurts versus Tua. And I guess looking under the hood a little bit, the, the knock on Miami is they, you know, people are saying they really hadn't beaten anybody. So they'd beaten the Chargers in Denver, New England, and the Giants and the Panthers, not exactly murderous row of the NFL. And that really might be the case. They only scored an offensive touchdown in this game. And they've had some of these really high-scoring, you know, explosive games. They put up 70, as we know, a few weeks ago. But they just might not be as good against really good teams uh, as maybe we think they are. They lost badly in Buffalo a couple of weeks ago. I was still right there on this game at halftime. There's 27 points on the board. Um, but it just didn't come out enough. Although, in the fourth quarter, 446 left, it's 31-17. Miami has the ball. They need two touchdowns. I'm thinking, look, this is a good team. They're a good offense. They go down and they score a touchdown. I've got this over. Two sacks later, they go four and out. They don't even really mount any semblance of a drive. Uh, and the game doesn't get there in the end, unfortunately.
1: Well, it was worse than that. I mean, the the Philadelphia... Had the ball at the end and almost took a knee. I mean, they took a knee to end the game. They had a guy break a, a run and he decided to go down. It was almost as bad as the Patrick Mahomes go out about or take a knee at the one yard line before instead of scoring a touchdown. There should have been a touchdown at the end. If it wasn't a two score game, there would have been a touchdown at the end. So it was unfortunate for you.
0: Yes, so that was my Sunday. Um, The only solace, the only silver lining to my football weekend was that the game Monday night, and I had Minnesota plus seven to cover against San Francisco, really was stress-free. Like to say I called this one, I did buy the extra half point, which it turned out I didn't need. But I just felt correctly that San Francisco had had a little bit of a rough Uh, You know, injury stretch with Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, who was out in the game, Trent Williams, and Minnesota, despite them not having a great record, they're always in these games, they're always one-score games, they're always close, and going into Minnesota would be a tough task for San Francisco, and that Minnesota would keep it close. Did not expect Minnesota to win that game, I don't think anybody did, but... They were pretty much there you know, at halftime, third quarter, um, no problems with this game. And what's interesting, and we're going to talk about San Francisco a little bit, is Minnesota really moved the ball. I mean, Kirk Cousins had well over 350 yards passing. Uh, Jordan Addison had a couple touchdowns. He had a big game. And all of San Francisco's injury issues are on the offensive side of the ball. So there's a little bit of a question mark now of why the defense is – giving up yards, giving up points. And also, San Francisco has a bit of a kicking game issue. So their kicker, uh, Moody, missed a field goal early on. And I think there was a graphic that said he had missed like three out of the last four, including the potential game winner against Cleveland the week before. He then made a 55-yarder, so to give him credit. But he's been sort of shaky the last couple of days. And quick little story about this game. Minnesota's dominating the game. They had scored first, but San Francisco scores with maybe a minute to go at the end of the second quarter. Minnesota gets the ball back. And really, all I'm thinking is, Minnesota, do not turn the ball over. San Francisco has just got some momentum. You don't want to give them the ball back to, You know, have them get even more momentum. Kirk Cousins puts up a pass and basically Ward of the 49ers intercepts it, but Addison rips it out of his hand. He goes and scores the touchdown. So it negates the touchdown. The 49ers just got kind of took all the wind out of the sails out of San Francisco. And that was really the game for me.
1: Yeah, that was a big play. That was a 60 yard touchdown and a score in less than a minute. I mean, that was amazing. And that's the best we've seen Kirk Cousins all year. So, He really picked uh, an interesting time for his coming out party. He usually doesn't show up in prime time, but boy, he really looked good on Monday night. And yeah, uh, I don't think anyone thought they'd win outright. But your classic uh, rule 1A from last year of betting the home dog worked on this one.
0: Yeah, it sure did. So I was able to put $422 back in my bank. Um, I had bet uh, $230 to win $192. So a little bit of a Band-Aid. That's how I finished the week one and two, but I did not come in first place, unlike one of us.
1: Miles? Yeah, I got to cash. Yeah, I cashed for the second week in a row. I went two and one. Uh, I really was hoping for a perfect week and things, you know, were kind of set up that way, but unfortunately didn't happen. And that's because my first bet was the Rams minus three against Pittsburgh. And that's that's not that I think I called this game wrong. I just feel like Pittsburgh really showed uh, how talented they could be when all their pieces are working together. I mean, Pickens and Pickett had a great game together. And that's something we haven't seen the last several games. And I really wonder if coming off a buy is such a, a, you know, a band aid to really help fix you so that you get right for the next game. Yeah. Um, I, you know, a Cooper cup didn't have his normal game. He had a really quiet second half. Um, I think uh, the fact that the Rams are short of running back uh, affected them more than I thought. Uh, so their running game wasn't really up to snuff and, and, I think that the Pittsburgh defense played very well, and, and Matt Stafford in his age isn't as mobile as he used to be, and I don't think he's able to do as much uh, when he has to scramble, and he was really made to scramble. Yeah.
0: I would say that what jumped out at me about this game was that it was really a tale of two different games for the Steelers offense. First three quarters, they couldn't do anything right. And then all of a sudden they wake up in the fourth quarter with 14 points. And I'm not sure if it's the Rams getting tired or Matt Canada finally getting in sync with his skill players. But the stats sheet was so strange. Uh, And I really thought you had that game. Rams had been playing better. They've hit a little bit of a speed bump. It'll be interesting for them to go into Dallas next week to see if they can recover a little bit, because I agree with you. And look, Stafford is 36, 37. He's been doing this a long time. Those hits start to add up. He's not a mobile, agile guy to begin with. Is that starting to take his toll on the season? I don't know. But a little bit of a strange game uh, offensively for the Steelers, and unfortunately did not end on your side of things for the bet.
1: No, it didn't, and the Rams fired their kicker as well. I think they just outright cut him and picked up someone else for this week. So I, I don't, re- I don't remember so clearly if there was some missed field goals that were uh, a factor, but maybe, maybe there was, and um, it just wasn't wasn't the week to be on the Rams. Yeah. So you know, like I said earlier, it really wasn't a week for me to be picking sides. I, I couldn't get a team right to, to save my life. So fortunately, my other two games were over-unders. So the first one was the under in the Seattle-Arizona game. And so that's a divisional game. I thought they might play somewhat tight. The game was in Seattle, and I knew that the crowd was going to help out and that there'd be penalties called, but the game didn't start out that great. Uh, There was a great Defensive play with uh Seattle holding Arizona to a three and out, and then Arizona punts the ball, and then what happens? Seattle muffs the punt return. So, like 60 yards of field position right there in the first half, and sure enough, Arizona puts up points on that uh turnover. So I was really kind of upset. I thought Seattle was was doing much better on defense and the, and they give up free points like that is always something that bothers me when you've got the under. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, uh, the teams did hold. I think the final score was 20 to 10, meaning 30 points were scored. I think 44 and a half was where I might have got the game. So there was plenty of room for mistakes. And yeah, I just had a good feel for that one. I didn't think Arizona has the horses to put up a lot of points. And again, once a team gets up two scores, I kind of feel like they're momentum and their approach changes where they're not necessarily trying to score. They're trying to run clock. They're trying to stay in bounds. They're trying to do things that aren't necessarily going to result in a quick points scored. So Mm -hmm. that was a good game for me. The other one was very much like that as well. That was Denver and green Bay. Um, that game I actually called almost perfectly. I think I said on the last podcast, uh, you know, Denver is going to get up in an insurmountable lead of 9-0 to because that's what they do. They just score field goals, and that's exactly what happened. We went to the half at 9-0. And Green Bay played its typical, uh, let's get behind early, let's fall ourselves into a hole, and let's have to try to make it all back in the last 30 minutes of the game. It's just not enough time for them to do it. Uh, that game also easily came under the forty-four and a half, and and I believe that was that. So um, two relatively um, smart picks, I think, on the under, although one of our listeners, Dave Siegel, went oppo on me, and he thought the over was going to come in. So at least on the, uh, I think that was the Seattle, the Seattle game, he thought it was going to be over.
0: Like I said, you have a really good sense of the over-unders right now, a much better sense than I do. I said last week about the Seattle-Arizona game that Arizona made me a little bit nervous because every now and then their offense sort of flashes, and maybe I'm just sort of scarred remembering back to that Cowboys game where all of a sudden they exploded, but not the case. Arizona's offense was bad. Josh Dobbs was bad. They couldn't do anything. And you even got some better news that DK Metcalf didn't play for Seattle. So in terms of an under, that's helpful. And then on the Green Bay side, you picked another offense that's just not playing well. There's a lot of grumbling about Jordan Love and Green Bay. They were scoreless in the first half. You just nailed those two teams, particularly at the right time coming into games where not a lot of points were on the board. So kudos to you. He's got to be pleased with
1: that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh- yeah, thanks. It's uh, I, I kind of try to spot some trends, and this week I'm going to do another over/under where I think I'm seeing a trend. But yeah, the news for uh, for DJ for DK Metcalf was a positive, and then of course James Connors not being available to play for Arizona. He really is, you know, forty-five percent of that offense. And so really all there was in that offense was uh, was was like the quarterback making a lot of runs. Like he scrambled for a lot of yards, but no, there was virtually no passing game to speak of.
0: So how did your total look at the end of the week, Miles?
1: Well, we established a new rule last week, which we're calling rule two, and that is about sizing your bets and trying to make your bets all the same. So that way, if you come two and one, you're gonna probably pocket around what I did, which was $1,260 because earlier in the year, I've gone two and one and I've pocketed less than that. And I might've gone two and one, one week and lost because my big bet was so big that, uh, it didn't come in and I had to try to make it up on the smaller bets. So yeah, following my rule, uh, I managed another, uh, 1260 in the bank which uh, again is a cash and it uh, brings me closer to the lead that you established during the first six weeks.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. You were talking about bed sizing, but because, because my big bet did not come in and your first two bets did, there was no way I could have won, even if my next two bets come in because they were smaller amounts. So you had already had the victory at that point. And As you said, after seven weeks, I will tally us up. I am 10 and 11 in my picks for seven weeks, but my bank balance is a bit higher. It's 68.77. Miles is just opposite. He is 11 and 10 with his picks coming in at 61.74, but he did close the gap quite a bit as we turn our attention to week eight.
1: Well, before we do, we should talk about the one event army and how they did. Of course. No one was undefeated for the week, so it really was a hard week for people. We did have Dave Behrens, uh getting two of his bets. He had the Patriots. That was an amazing pick by him. And the Eagles uh, also getting two right was RJ. He had the Ravens. And get this, he had the Giants' money line.
0: Wow.
1: So that was a really uh, brave pick by him. So he actually he took in a lot of money on just going two, uh, two and one. And then those with one win include Donnie Wheels. He had Seattle. We had uh, Bill Kuklanas. He had New England. Uh, we had John's Vagdis, He only had one win, and that was the Eagles. His first two missed. I thought he might get a golden sombrero like, unfortunately, Dave Siegel did. He got the golden sombrero. And then let's not forget my cousin Nick, who last week uh, violated our rules by only giving us two games. This week, he said, hey, I'm going to be sure to give you three games. But after I read game number three, which was good guys minus three against Carolina. And <laughs> last I checked, Carolina was on the buy. So I don't know who the good guys are. But if he gave Carolina three points and they didn't play, I think Carolina wins. I, I My cousin Nick is like a national merit scholar. He went to Carnegie Mellon, for Christ's sake. I don't know what the hell's wrong with this guy. Maybe he did get dropped as a kid. I don't know.
0: I was just going to ask if we needed an intervention or anything. Cousin Nick sounds like he needs some help.
1: Yeah, you know, we used to rank all the cousins in 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 you know their their ranking and smartness, and I think now he's going to have to move down the list somewhere between like my sister and <laughs> uh, maybe the goldfish that I want at some summer carnival. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Now, where did you come in in those rankings, Miles?
1: I don't know. They, they seem to let, they, they, they say I underperform and I'm somewhere between four and nine, I think, out of eight. So I don't know how that works.
0: Sounds brutal. I have you on the money line to, to win. Thank you. Well, that is going to wrap up our look back at week seven. And as we always do, as we look forward to week eight, we're going to wipe the slate clean and start off fresh with a thousand new dollars. And we're going to get into all of that and some new bets and some more fun and all sorts of excitement when we come back on the One Bet podcast. Okay, welcome back to the One Bet podcast. We are going to look ahead to week eight now. And as a reminder, here's what we do on the One Bet podcast we wipe the slate clean from week seven, we have a thousand dollars fresh, crispy new, ready to be deployed across the NFL landscape. We have to make at least three bets. Each bet has to be at least $100, and we have to spend the entire $1,000. And I am going to go first, and I don't really have a big bet of the week. I also changed some of my sizing because of the big odds for a couple of these bets. But my first bet, I'm going to go right in, and I am going to break rule one, is I'm going to go against... Uh, home underdog, I am taking the New York Jets minus three, technically on the road, playing the Giants. So that's why it's not really a a rule 1A. They're sleeping in their same bed. They're playing in their same locker room. It's their same field, but technically they are the road team. And hey, the New York Jets have a little bit of a pulse. They have two wins in a row, and they are coming off of their bye week. So as you mentioned, Miles, that is a key week in any team schedule. A lot of rest, uh, a lot of injuries get healed up. I, I love them coming out fresh. I think Zach Wilson is playing a little freely. He's playing better. They have a really, really good defense. And in contrast, they are going to play a team with a very, very shaky offense right now. Now, the Giants did beat Washington, as you pointed out, but... It was 14-7, to and the Commanders are having a lot of problems of their own. That ended a four-game losing streak for the Giants, so they are not playing well. So my bet here is it's minus 115, so I'm betting 345 to win 300. Taking a little bit of a deeper dive into the Giants' offense, this is a team that averages 12 points a game. And if you take out Week 2 when they scored 31 points against the Cardinals, they average 9 points a game. They are really, really strapped. Daniel Jones has a bad neck. Um, Tyrod Taylor has been playing. He was okay. If you're going to take any silver lining other than the win out of last week, there was a Darren Waller sighting for New York. So that's nice to see. He got his first touchdown. But that's really about all they've got going for them. Saquon Barkley isn't doing anything. I really, really looked hard at the under on this because the Giants offense is so bad. But the under is really low. It's 36, 36 and a half. It's moved a little bit. And I just felt with the Jets coming off of the buy, coming out fresh with uh, Zach Wilson, got some, you know, wind under his wings a little bit that they could be a little bit frisky when it comes to the scoring department. So I'm going to take the Jets in the minus three. uh, And that is my first bet of the week.
1: I think you actually just described what could be a very good under when you're looking at things that I look at. So keep an eye on that, too. You're right. I could come back on next week and say, you know what, I was right there,
0: and I went towards the spread, and it was a low-scoring game. But again, I just... I, I have this fear of the Jets just sort of coming out and putting up 21 points, you know, in the first, you know, 20, 25 minutes of the game, all of a sudden, and then suddenly it gets away from the Giants and they hit the over. I, I don't know.
1: That would be amazing because it doesn't feel like the Jets have been all that uh, offensive this year anyway. But I do think this is going to be a trendy bet as this week shapes up. It is early. But I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to be on the Jets. It's hard to like the Giants. Yes, they 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 beat the Commanders. Praise be and blessed be the fruit. It was a fourteen to seven game. It was horrible. It was it was just no one wanted to watch that game. So um, you know, I think you're probably on the right side of this one.
0: Yeah. Do you ever have those fantasy weeks where you're like, oh my god, I. I beat the only other team in the whole league that had a lower score than me. I feel like that's what the Giants win was last week of like, oh my God, they beat the
1: only team in the NFL that had a worse offense that week. Thank God the Commanders only scored seven. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, Well, my first bet, since I sized them all around the same, why don't I kind of stay on that trend? And I'll tell you, for 330 to win 300, I'm taking the Eagles minus six and a half over the Commanders. Um, I saw some of that putrid game of the commanders and Sam Howell, Was on his back, uh, you know, just about as often as uh, you know. uh, (laughs) Trying to think of a prostitute joke. (laughs) I can't believe I don't have a prostitute joke ready.
0: That's so disgusting! Oh my god, that's the worst thing I ever heard in my life.
1: No, Sam Howell was horrible, and and they're playing Philadelphia, who has a defense that puts pressure on the quarterback. So I think he's going to be in for a lot of hits, a lot of sacks. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he could very well get knocked out of the game. That's how aggressive I think Philadelphia's defense is and how poorly the offensive line's been protecting Hal. if they couldn't do anything against the giants, they are going to be really struggling against the Eagles who played a great game last week. I know we shouldn't just look at last week as their body of work, but you know, they were a two score plus win, you know, winner against Miami who, we all know is a good team, is a strong team. Yes, maybe they haven't beat everyone yet, but we were all expecting them to be a playoff team. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I don't think we're expecting the Commanders to be a playoff team. And the only problem with this game, well, there's a couple, to be honest. Uh, One, it's a divisional game, so I don't love that. Uh, Two, historically, these teams do play close games. I think the last time they played, they might have gone the overtime. So, you know, six and a half, uh, on one hand, you know, when you consider that the Eagles blow out good teams, uh, that looks like it's a, a number easy to easy to to cover. But on the other hand, sometimes teams just play down to their opposition, and this game could be one where the Commanders do hang around and the Eagles just find a way to win, but they're not to cover. But I'm just thinking, watching Howell and just how poorly he performed, I I, I don't know that they can fix all this in a week uh and try to scheme against that Philadelphia Eagles D.
0: Now Miles, I don't think you listed the biggest problem for you in this game, which is you are just thoroughly breaking rule number one, right? This game's in Washington.
1: No, you're right. You're right. But I'm trying to pick the teams who have shown me that they aren't pretenders. And you know, like you said at the head at the beginning of the pod, the Eagles are six and one. And I expect them to be seven and one. So whether they win by three or win by seven, or win by 17, they're going to win. I just hope that it's more like they win by 17. I was going to say, you don't want them to win by three.
0: (laughs) By three, you will not be happy. Look, you're right. They've been one of the more consistent teams on offense and, and defense. A.J. Brown has really woken up who is on my fantasy team, thankfully. So that's really sort of helped their offense. They spread it around. And they're one of those teams that they may not feel like they're really dominating in the first half, but they grind. And suddenly by the second half, by the end of the game, they're up 10, 12, 14 points. Uh, I've seen that over and over this season. And, you know, again, if we're spotting trends, Washington was bad. There was a lot of grumbling about Sam Howell last week. And it could be a, a really tough, tough week at home for Washington.
1: Four for four in tush pushes as well in that game. So they found they found a way to just guarantee themselves a fourth and short yardage play to get first down. So until anyone learns how to stop that, it's really hard to bet against the Eagles.
0: That play is automatic for two two and a half yards. That's the crazy thing. They're not getting like six inches or nine inches. They are moving, uh, you know, Hertz, you know, through that line easily. And the other strange thing is that the other teams can't imitate it. Everybody else is trying to do it for for whatever reason, in terms of leverage, in terms of the players, in terms of the athleticism of the quarterback. It looks like it should be so easy to duplicate. And it's just not the case, which is, you know, kudos to Philadelphia for finding something that works for them.
1: Yeah, and uh, you're actually opening up a wound. I think it was the, the Steelers-Rams game that I've been on where I thought the Rams actually made the, the, the fourth down marker and they got a really bad spot, and all of a sudden the game was over. They were able to take knees. They should have got the ball back with a chance to win.
0: There was a lot of gr- grumbling about that spot and that play at the end of the Steelers-Rams game. You are correct.
1: Yeah. Anyway, uh, what are you looking at for your second bet? So for my second bet, I'm going to go back
0: to a team that we talked about earlier And that is the Minnesota Vikings, and they are plus one at Green Bay, minus 115. So again, my bet is 345 to win 300. And a couple things going on here. We weren't high on Minnesota earlier on the season. We all made the comments that the pendulum of one score games was going to swing back against them, which it has but they're still in those one-score games, and now they're starting to play a little bit better. Jordan Addison has stepped up into Justin Jefferson's shoes. Uh, Kirk Cousins is really finding himself. Yeah. I really love the fact that they are getting points, any points, going into Green Bay. Um, they're minus money on the money line, or I would have taken that if it was plus money. I would have jumped on that in a heartbeat. Uh, as we talked about, Jordan Love can be grouped into that bunch of quarterbacks that we've talked about earlier. That are not and have not developed like we expected uh like a kenny pickett or a desmond ritter Ironically, both of those guys got wins last week. I don't know how great either of them played, but Jordan Love. And that, you know, remember, you're playing in a city that has had great quarterback play for two decades. So there's going to be a very short leash, leash there. But he's not accurate. He's not sustaining drives. He's not scoring points. Uh, you know, they've lost their last three games. Two are on the road. Uh, you know, they lost a home game to Detroit. They are not in good shape right now. And I love that uh, Minnesota, a team that played really well, is, is coming in. It's a divisional game, uh, but Minnesota is now uh, on their own two-game win streak. They had a big win against the Bears. They've won three out of four. You know, the game's probably going to be a one-score game, as they are. Uh, Minnesota plays in only one-score games. It's a divisional game, but uh, I'd like Minnesota coming into Green Bay here. If, if Minnesota if Minnesota can hold on to the ball and not turn the ball over, they should win this game
1: easily. If you want to talk about trends, the Packers are having a hard time scoring and moving the ball, and they've been starting slow probably five of the last weeks. Mm-hmm. So you can see, and then you look at, you know, at, at Minnesota, and they're scoring, they're moving the ball, they have big plays, they've got big playmakers. You know, TJ Hawkinson had himself a really great game the other night. So it, it all adds up. If things go the way they ought to go, I really think you're where they where you should be with the with the Vikings getting points. You know, the odd thing about Jordan Love to me is he's not a good scrambler either. I think Aaron Rodgers did a better job getting getting yards. You're right. He's athletic, but he doesn't have that sort of
0: innate pocket sense to move around. Um, Patrick Mahomes is the best. He just knows when to move up to create those lanes. Jordan Love doesn't have that. And Jordan Love is at that phase in his career where you can almost see him thinking really loudly, which makes the game go really fast. And that does not bode well for your team and your offense.
1: Yeah, and he's kind of slight as a quarterback. You know, he's not like Jalen Hurts, who, who you know can take a hit and keep going. He's he looks like and the smallest hit's going to knock him down. He kind of reminds me a bit of Bryce Young. Yeah, but none, nonetheless, um, I was looking at this game at the under. I originally had this circled at the under forty three, just thinking that the Packers are going to have a hard time scoring. So, uh, if the Packers are going to have a hard time scoring, I think that also bodes well for a Vikings victory.
0: Yeah. And I looked at that as well. Minnesota scoring as well as they did and moving the ball as well as they did in San Francisco kind of took me off of the under because, again, you know, a team that could can put up a bunch of points all at once. I don't want them to come out and do that. I'm more comfortable with them. And they're one point on the road.
1: Well, why don't I talk about the next bet that I'm doing? uh, Because it's a team that does move the ball and they're playing against a team that doesn't move the ball. That's Kansas City versus Denver. And in this case, I'm actually taking the under and that's under 46 points. I'll do this for 340 to win 309 because I am sizing all my bats. I am following rule two, keeping all my bats around the 330 mark. But here's what I've noticed when I've watched Kansas City play, especially when they're on the road. All the unders are coming in. Uh, you know, Kansas City is arguably one of the most explosive offenses in the league, but they're not playing games where they're showing it all in one game. They're explosive over many games. They're not putting up, you know, 35, 42, 49 points a game. I mean, you see that out of teams like Miami, you see that out of, uh, out of Detroit. Um, you're we're not seeing that out of KC. KC plays a conservative game. They get ahead. They use clock. They, uh, you know, they they have the ball at the last half with, with timeouts and, some, and, and, a, and a long field, and they opted to just keep the lead and go into the locker room. You know, this, they've disappointed me several times already this year when I've gone over because they haven't put their foot on the neck of their opponents, and they've just let them off by taking knees at the one or – you know, getting really conservative and, and punting for field position. And that's what I think is going to happen here playing away in Denver. So Denver is a better team when they play at home. And I, but I think it's going to be a better defensive team when they play at home. And so Denver still has a hard time scoring Uh, last week. Uh, they barely scored against, uh, and I was on the under with them last week when they, pra- when they played Green Bay. Yes, they won, but they weren't really scoring at a good clip, and the KC defense is going to be a lot better than Green Bay. I'm looking at like a 31-10 to 10 game here. That's what I'm thinking, 28-10, to 31-10, which is going to be under the 46, and that's why I'm taking the under here.
0: I got to be honest. I think this is a really ballsy bet, and you're seeing the overs and unders more clearly than I am if you had made this bet with this reasoning on Kansas city last week, I would be so much more in line with this bet, but they're coming off of a game where they beat San Diego 31 to 17. And this felt like the game where everything finally clicked into place where Patrick Mahomes was the old Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey had a massive, massive game and they were getting points. There were 47 points scored in the first half of that game. Um, so there was a lot going on. Um, Sorry, 41 points in the first half of that game. They really shut down the Chargers in the second half. The Chargers didn't score. But, wow, just the timing of this bet. And you're right, they are going into Denver. And Denver's played some some close games. And I think you're going to need Denver to do their part by being <laughs> crappy on offense and not scoring. Um, but I just I worry... Yeah, I worry that this last week might have been the week that Kansas City remembered who they were, and now all of a sudden they're scoring 35, 42 points a game.
1: It's possible there is that, but uh, I'm going with some of the trends, and that's when they're away, they're 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 hitting under. So, and even last week at 31 to 17, that's a 48. I, I don't know that they beat the over-under that was given. They might have been right around it. I don't recall exactly where it was at.
0: No, you're right. And, you know, you've been been dead on. But uh, they did look much better offensively last week and more consistent than they'd looked earlier in the season, in my opinion. So those are your two bets. And that leaves us with our third and final bet. And I'll tell you, Miles, that I have not been good about picking overs this year, as we have discussed. But the one thing I have been pretty good about is, is seeing and seizing... Bounce back opportunities. And I think my last bet is a whopper of a bounce back opportunity. I am taking Detroit minus eight and a half at home on Monday night football against the Las Vegas Raiders. I have 310 uh, left in my bank. It's at minus 105. So I get a little bit of my money back there. That's 310 to win 295. And Let's just throw out the Ravens game last week for Detroit. It was such a one two punch of offense by Baltimore at the beginning. I don't know if you saw this stat. it was 28 to nothing Baltimore before Detroit had their first first down. Yeah. that's how bad this game was from the beginning. It just got away from Detroit right away, you know, as you've talked about, leads change how teams play. Uh, I think, you know, Goff had to throw the ball like 53 times. Uh, It just was their anomaly game. And they are going to be, you know, we talked about it with Dallas before when they played the Chargers. They are going to be pissed off coming on to a primetime game at home. And guess what? They are playing a crappy team, the Las Vegas Raiders. And really what I mean is a crappy team with a quarterback issue. So Jimmy Garoppolo has a bad back. Uh, he's questionable right now. But even if he's playing, a bad back is not something that you just, you know, snap your fingers and makes all better. He's not gonna be a hundred percent. And if he's not playing, Brian Hoyer is the quarterback for the Raiders and he was terrible last week. So I think this is a situational opportunity where Aiden Hutchinson and the rest of the Detroit line are just going to be licking their lips to get to the quarterback, whoever it is for the Raiders on the offensive side. You got a lot of weapons with Amon Ross, St. Brown and Reynolds has got a few touchdowns and Gibbs and Jared Goff has been playing well and they forget all about the Ravens game. They stick it to the Raiders. I think they're going to win by at least 17 points. This is the bounce back opportunity. That's where I'm putting the rest of my money.
1: I think it is a good spot for the for the Lions. And the Raiders last week lost to the friggin' Bears. And the Bears were playing their backup quarterback Bajent, who was a division two quarterback that was undrafted. Yeah. And I think I think uh the Raiders split their quarterback duties between Hoyer and Aiden O'Connell or O'Donnell or whatever his name is. He's horrible. I don't know how the Raiders managed to win against Green Bay. The one time I end up taking Green Bay and then they come to Chicago and they lose. I mean, they're just horrible. They're, they're I, it's so hard to get behind that team. And I think you were on them when they when they had a sack for mm-hmm. uh the New England Patriots to win. So it's like they they're they're night and day and they can't play well two weeks in a row.
0: Yeah, but I think their quarterback situation has gotten worse. It is funny that you mentioned Bajin, who you know had kind of the hero's day for the Bears. I did look at that game with Chicago coming out to play the Raider, uh, play the Chargers. The Chargers have a you know five or six point spread or whatever it is. But I thought is Baygent one of those guys like a Kurt Warner or Brock Purdy that comes out of nowhere and he's actually good, or did he have his flash in the pan moment? And you know the Chargers are going to watch tape and prepare for him, and it's going to be a totally different experience. I don't know. I'm not betting the Chargers, but. I did look at that game because of Bajan.
1: Yeah, it's all the sports radio is talking about here in Chicago is getting behind this Bajan, and if Bajan does win, they're talking about him replacing Justin Fields, even if Fields is healthy, which is crazy to me, but that's the talk. So That's the NFL these
0: days. you got to win, you got to win now. So if you think your backup or your third string is the guy who's going to get you to wins, your first stringer is out the door, man. That is just life in the NFL these days.
1: Well, I do think giving eight and a half points is a ballsy bet by you, but I do think that it's a good spot for Detroit. They should come out on top. Let's just hope that they do it by uh, the right amount of points. That brings me to my last bet. And here's a bet that I'm making where I really don't have a ton of information about because I really don't like either of these teams, but I'm taking the Texans minus three against the Panthers. And that's going to be another 330 to win 300. And I say this because I rarely bet on the Texans.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I, I usually bet against the Panthers. So that's this is kind of an anti-Panthers bet. I, I think they're winless, and I don't think this is the week they get their win. Now, you know, both teams are coming off a bye. So I don't know that either one of them really has, you know, an advantage in that situation. Um, but I do think if you look at the quarterbacks, Texans have the advantage with CJ Stroud over Bryce Young, and I think that's that's worth three points right there. I really like what the Texans have been doing. You know, they've had a couple receivers who like uh, nico and and uh, they they have another one. you just you don't expect them to do well, but they're doing great. And then the Panthers, look, I, you know when you when you're winless, I think you're probably better off remaining winless. I mean, Everyone thought the Bears were going to end up getting the first round pick. Well, maybe the Panthers want to stay winless and, uh, and and do better in the draft. They don't have a chance this year. I don't like their team. I don't like what they've shown. So three points to me seems like it's uh, uh, low enough to give. So I'm on the Texans for 330.
0: Yeah, look, you're picking a team that's won three out of four, which is Houston against a team that not only is winless, The Panthers have had only one game, game two, that they were within like eight points. And they've lost by, you know, 21 last week to the Dolphins, 18 before that to the Lions. They're not even competitive right now. So I would say that rookie quarterback going into Carolina to play makes us nervous. But yeah, just looking at how, um, you know, porous the Carolina defense has been in particular, and Stroud's been pretty good. Three points. Totally see it. Odds say that you're going to come out on top on this bet.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, this could be the week that the Panthers get a win. They, they're probably going to get a win at some point. Uh, I, I'm just betting that this isn't their week. There you go. We want to hear your picks, too. If you go to Twitter or X and you go to at want to bet podcast, you can join the one an army and place your picks along with those of our people that continue to loyally support the program, which we thank. Uh, we are going to be doing... I, I think we did a, an interview last week with the podcast company. And there's going to be some media out on us, isn't there?
0: We did. There's press coming from ElectroCast. They are spreading the word and getting more people into the one of the that army. So, yeah, we're getting out there. That'll be
1: exciting. Uh, do you want to recap really quickly and then we'll sign off? Sure. I am taking uh, Kansas City-Denver under. That's my bigger of the bats. I'm taking the Eagles minus six and a half and the Texans minus three. Those are both violating my rules 1 and 1A, but I am following rule 2, and that is I'm sizing the bats.
0: And I am taking the New York Jets minus 3. Technically, it is a road home game. I'm technically violating rule number 1, but I think they're going to win anyway over the hapless New York Giants. I've got Minnesota. Can't believe I'm getting 1 point. They are playing in Green Bay. Jordan Love has been shaky, and I hope that continues uh, through this week. Both of those bets are 345 to win 300. And my last bet, I've got the bounce back. i got my Detroit Lions coming back big over the Raiders. Detroit is minus 8.5. That bet is 310 to win 295. But uh, quarterback issues for the Raiders are going to sink them, and Detroit wants to look good on national TV on Monday, so they're going to put up a lot of points.
1: This feels so weird that we're signing off early on a Tuesday night. A lot more information is going to break this week, and... Hopefully it'll be in our favor and won't negatively impact those, those of our bets.
0: Yeah, we could have bet the uh, Thursday night game this week, but uh, neither of us jumped on us. So we'll be waiting to see until uh, the weekend.
1: You know, the first time we'll do that, the first time we're going to bet Thursday is going to be the, the Thanksgiving holiday. I have a feeling we got to put together something where Thursday comes into play.
0: No question. We'll be on those Thanksgiving games. And we will be back. A little later next week uh, because of my trip, but we will be back for week nine next week on the One Bet Podcast.
1: Well, say hi to Bolivia, and I, uh, I love your body, Larry. All
0: right, everybody, peace out. Send us your bets. Play along. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the week.
1: And live in a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab.
0: An Electric Cast production.
1: See you there. Electric Cast. Hey there, I'm DC. I host The Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the Interviews. Electric acid.